Hey, it's Bethany. I hope you're still sticking to your health-based New Year's resolution, but if not, I have a way to help you out. Hero Bread listened to the needs of people like you and me. Their new bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, it's high in fiber, and now it's made with olive oil for more healthy fats. And it's the fluffy, delicious bread that tastes great with anything or just by itself. Get 10% off your first order with code JUSTBE at Hero.co. That's JUSTBE at Hero.co. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you getting ready for your spring break? If you're hitting the beach, retreating lakeside, or lounging at the pool, then get everything you need for your vacation at Macy's. From bathing suits and sandals to beach towels and even sunscreen, find everything you're throwing into your bag. Plus, you can order online and pick up in-store or curbside or get same-day delivery. Wow. Head on over to Macy's.com. Wilmer Valderrama is an actor, producer, TV personality, best known for his role as Fez on That 70s Show. From moving to the U.S., not knowing a single word of English, to now becoming a successful businessman, we dive deep into this interview with Wilmer. This is Just Be with Wilmer Valderrama. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm always good. How are you? Good. Are you in L.A.? I am in L.A. I am in L.A. I, um, I, thankfully, I wrapped the show for the season, so I have a little downtime. And then we have like a, a luring uh, writer strike coming up. So that might be a longer extended vacation for a while. But I yeah. remember the last one. And I remember my opinion being that reality television show and its explosion being like a result of that, a reaction to that. Yeah, it was crazy. It was that. It was alternative uh, programming of all different sorts. And then animation started coming. Oh, like- yes. And like entertaining, irreverent animation. And yeah. you are, you you do voices for animation. You did Encanto, right? Which I did, I don't know. Do, do most people know that, or do you get like a more sort of incognito life when you do those projects? Obviously, uh, that's do, a but... great question. It's a great question. I, I don't know. I think I, I tend to get in front of them as if they were like a primetime show or like a blockbuster release, mm-hmm. and I try to promote as as hard as I possibly can. So I think most people know that animation is something I love very much, and I. Uh, you know, and I, I just find uh, I find it very refreshing. It's a really fun medium to tell stories. And uh, since I was a little boy, I always thought, oh, it'd be, it'd be so cool to be an animated character, you know? Really? So, yeah. So when I, my first thing was um, I partnered up with Walt Disney to do this uh, little preschooler show on Saturday mornings called Handy Manny. Okay. And, and I played hand, I played Manny, and it was a little uh, handyman with a team of talking tools, and we just went around. She rock heels, just like fixing anything that was broken. And along the way, you appreciate culture. It was bilingual. It was like the first of its kind, and, right? And did incredibly well. So, um, and I just got hooked. I got hooked at that 
you know, uh, coming to a sound booth and like playing with the lines over and over again and like being able to just do it right there. Like, let me do it one more time. I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do it like that, um, which was just a very different form. Oh, interesting. Form of, so it's it more free cool. than regular acting? Yeah, because regular acting, you're crafting um, a, a visual interpretation of something that was put on a script uh, as a narrative blueprint uh, for uh, an audience to enjoy a certain genre, a certain adventure, a certain you know journey, and even on television, you know you you have a certain time restraint of like how you're going to tell this, and every actor has a different contribution, very much like voiceover. But in and when you're performing live action, I mean there's just like a million more elements um, to the art form that has to be engaged uh, as a perfect storm. When you're doing animation, you can be as imperfect as you want to be. Like you can blub the line eleven times. You sh- ah. you can't in acting, right? In acting, you gotta get it in two takes, right? But um, and uh, is that because of all the expense, like all the different expense that think the time is more critical and versus just like being in a booth? It's like more. Yeah, bulky. I think so. I think so. I think it's a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more liberating in the sense that when you're doing a. a you know, a feature you're doing television, you have that location for a certain amount of time. They have computed that somehow this scene would take about, you know, about two hours, then they move to the next one, to the next one. So you can get everything in within the 10 hour or 12 hour block. Uh, and so that, so that becomes that. But for like example, when I did, uh, you know, when, when I did Encanto, as an example, uh, I would do the same line probably 25 times with all kinds of different colors and Uh, momentums and volumes and all that too. Because sometimes you're not in the same booth. Most of the times you're not in the same booth for the rest of the actors. So you're kind of playing with yourself. Oh, interesting. I never have even thought about it. And I was wondering, is it much more, what's the, so you get a movie, a normal movie or a normal TV show versus an animated TV show. What's the time commitment for you? What's the difference in the time commitment? And it's magical when you do a voiceover because when you do a voiceover, you know, you commit to a, a three hour session, a four hour session. Sometimes you can do a six hour if you're like really busy. Like I sometimes I have to get in a lot in, in, in the hours that I got in. And then you can do multiple episodes in one recording. Oh, you can bang it out. Okay. Yeah. But in television, it takes eight days to shoot one episode and it takes a full day to maybe shoot three scenes. Okay, so if you did a movie and you got paid five dollars for a movie as you're in it, it's you and you're an actor versus animation, you're the star of both. What how much if you got five dollars on a regular movie, what would you get on an animated movie? Like how much difference is it in pay? Probably about two dollars. I mean, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. At any level, even if you're Tom Cruise or yeah, like for the same, most yeah. Part. Okay. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. And animation too. Like, I mean, it's a really uh, I mean, you even go down to like the toy story of it all, right? Yeah. I mean, I think in the in the second and third movie, maybe everybody gets a bump and then maybe there is some box office performance. But yes. when it comes to the budget that goes into making it, uh animation is like every dollar counts, right? Okay. Interesting. You know? I've never heard that or known that. So um so obviously I know who you are. And I, oh, I talk, for some reason, I've talked to a lot of people who have like one thing that stands out as the biggest thing in their career that they're kind of always carrying, whether they like it, they don't, they go back to it. Like whether it's 
Tori Spelling or, you know, mm-hmm. I just talked to David Arquette who like scream is his, uh, in his, his ID indelibly and Tori Spelling, who's now leaning back into it or me with the housewives, like yeah. having a podcast called Rewives. So what do you think of that? I, I know without even asking you that that certainly hasn't been your most lucrative opportunity, but it's the thing you're the most famous for, right? Cause you probably were making no money when you started and everyone thought you guys were millionaires and you were just famous, but not rich. Cause I know what TV paid back then and you were kids, right? Yeah, I mean, so I guess we can reference back to, um, I would say uh, the 70s show was obviously the big one uh, for many reasons, because it was uh, it was like the perfect uh, blend of of uh, innovation, uh, 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 you know, genre, you know, bending and like we were breaking the mold of sitcom. So right. it was going to work or it was going to be a catastrophe. Uh-huh. And also, we were such an interesting experiment because back then. At prime time, uh, you were against Friends, Seinfeld, you know, Spin City, wow. me, you know, eventually Will and Grace. So we were like this, you know, this young up and coming cast that was somehow the founder voice within the 18 to 49 demographic. We weren't getting the household numbers like Friends, but we were absolutely dominating the 18 to 49, as you know, and most people would, yes. would you know, the 18 to 49 is the like, the holy grail for yes networks, right because that's the advertising that's the you exactly. know that's corporates are going after that audience so if you can if you can if you have the attention of that demo and you're one two or three in the scale of like the people that actually you know invite as many of those people in that in that demo then you have an opportunity to grow and that show becomes very profitable and therefore you could have an opportunity to renegotiate and get a little bit more uh for your money and i think so for the to- viewers for the listeners people often in the press talk about the household overall number because it sounds big on the housewives it used to be, oh, 3 million. Nobody cares about the household numbers really at the network. They're like, oh, but in the demo and they even take it even tighter, like it's 18 to 49 and then 25 to 45 and are you getting women? So there could be some edgy audience where you've got it, but they're not really purchasers. So they want the purchasers of the household and he's talking about, and even going deeper, Wilmer was on a show that had the younger audience, so they're going to keep them in the store to watch the other stuff that they're selling them. So you want the young audience because you're going to keep that audience for their whole lives and also sell them other shit on the network. Sorry. That's right. No, that's right. I mean, thank you for for clarifying that for the listeners. I mean, and furthermore, to just kind of complement what what you've started with that, um, then it becomes, uh, you know, a, a network's uh, mandate to fulfill certain demos so they can offer uh, a different portfolio to all their advertisers, who, uh-huh. by the way, is not only funding the network and funding the company, but also funding the content, mm-hmm. you know. So, so in many ways, it's like this interesting ecosystem that has to work together. Now, it all got incredibly, um, you know, complicated as soon as, uh, the different economy scales that are introducing. I mean, we were talking about the right of strike and we were talking about, you know, how alternative programming, you know, soar as as uh, entertainment that was luring in the same demos uh, that were just as profitable, but they, you know, the budgets were not as ambitious when it came to uh, making this alternative programming. So I'm talking about either docu-follows, reality shows, you know, um, documentaries and all that. So they were getting more for their buck because they were investing less in the content. Um, and as it started growing, you know, we, you know, it, it became a blend of like, how much can you offer to whatever viewer you get? 
and then the arrival of streaming, right? Which absolutely uh, altered everything else, right? Because now streaming was spending as much as they possibly could to just acquire a subscriber. Um, it had nothing to do with advertisers. There was no song. It's a that. strange thing to like realize there's no ratings, but there are downloads and it's a strange construct for the, thinking about the way they do their numbers. And do you feel what has been, well, there's a couple of questions I have for you. So first of all, your experience with streaming versus network television, are you equally satisfied? Is it equally as exciting or it's not because it's like a bigger ocean? Yeah, no, it's, it's, oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I wear two hats, right? As an entrepreneur and a producer and then as a performer and just an actor, you know, and uh, in many ways, um, <clears throat> as a producer and for my company is, is an incredible opportunity to say, I can create an idea and I can have enough um, gates that I can knock on to, uh, to walk in and hopefully find a home for the project um, as an yes. actor and as an actor, it becomes tricky because there is tons of stuff being made, totally. but not technically like what you would probably need or want to do to, to pay, to be the stepping stone to your next job. Right. Like you can't just like sign on to any TV shows, even though there's like 200 TV shows casting, you right. kind of, you know, so, so it's like, it becomes this conversation of, um, you know, uh, you know, those uh, critically acclaimed or high concept or, you know, great writer, great director shows become, you know, like a, a, the pick of the litter type of situation, you know, so it, it's so it's a give and take with that. But I will say uh, all in all, uh, there is a, a new generation of performers, actors, writers and directors that are finding their voice in all these deep mediums. So I, I think in in a, in, a, in a different way, it's just evolution and it's part of innovation you know I, I remember the introduction of cable when you think about network oh, right and when cable got introduced first of all cable was a place that most network actors wouldn't even go right because they're like yeah they don't have the same budgets they don't have the right you know caliber of content and then cable and, and movie actors going to tv was a big thing now you see and the, exactly Matthew so McConaughey on True TV, yeah yeah, and the network actors wouldn't go to cable, and then cable started producing some innovative stuff because they had nothing to lose, and therefore cable became a big threat for the network business because yep. now advertisers were like, "Whoa, that's interesting. They're critically acclaimed down here," you know. So it's like the evolution always changes, and now they both got a hit on them because yeah, you know, and people used to not want to go to the valley from Beverly Hills, but lo and behold, the valley. That happens <laughs> too. Evo it's exactly. evolution. So, because remember, 818 was not, used to be like, you're not yeah. going to be an 818. I got so, made fun of for living in the 818, you know, yeah. for years. You and were an 818. They're like, yeah. oh, you can get a lot of land over there. You want it to be a 213. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My everything shower is where I indulge, exfoliate, and take care of my everywhere hair. Now, with expert-level care from Schick's Hydro Silk Sensitive Razor, you can elevate your shave, too, with five curve-sensing blades and unique Hydro Boost Serum with aloe and chamomile. 
It's the smoothest finish you'll ever feel. And when it comes to the bikini zone, try the Chic Hydro Silk Trim Style, a unique two-in-one waterproof bikini hair trimmer and hydrating razor that's perfect for, well, everywhere. Get a comfortable, irritation-free result like you've never felt before. Hey, I'm only an expert in me, but we all deserve expert care everywhere. And Chic Hydro Silk makes your everything shower and shave everything you need it to be. You never skimp on your favorite beauty essentials, so forget basic razors and average results. Trust Chic Hydro Silk for expert level smooth. Look for Chic Hydro Silk in store or online at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. And visit Chic.com to see the entire expert level care portfolio. So Bryn is at the age where she is going out with her friends now without me, and I am so glad that she has an Uber teen account so she can get wherever she needs while I'm working or at home. And I can track where she is, and I'm in communication with her and the driver. Love this development for Uber. Love it for mothers. Love it for teens. Uber Teen is perfect for those times when you want to be there but can't. When your teen requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated drivers and you receive real-time notifications. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, but don't worry. You can follow the entire ride on a live tracking map. Every trip comes with enhanced safety features, pin verification to ensure your teen enters the right vehicle, live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. Available in select locations. See app for details. Add your teen to your Uber account today. Okay, so I have a couple of questions because I just I, I just asked my assistant for a pen because you made me think of so many different things. So hold on, being attached to because mm-hmm. now I have a now it's such an interesting conversation because I now. And I wasn't even intending to talk to you about this, but this is something I haven't talked about. And I think it's interesting in this industry um, is that it's about like, so now there's more, there's more distribution and it's like choosing whether you want to be, do you want to be distributed in Walmart? Do you want, you know, do you want to be distributed in Walmart and do volume and get to more people? Or do you want to be distributed Hulu and be more niche or, you know, Showtime or HBO Max and be, you know, there's all that discussion. But I'm finding that I don't even think the average consumer is really even understanding what we say when we mean distribution. So in in brands, like what's happened in the pandemic is that with brands, any brand, t-shirts, soda, whatever yeah. you're doing, there's yeah. a direct to consumer model now. That's why so much retail has changed. So people are just going direct and selling their sneakers directly to the consumer That's online. Right. There's no middle person. So now we're getting closer to that with entertainment. And mm-hmm. now we're talking about places where I used to live like Bravo. And with Bravo, let's say that I'm on a Bravo show. Let's say I'm on a Bravo show. Coca-Cola wants to work with me or some luggage company wants to work yep, with me. Yep. They have to call Coke. They have to call Bravo, ask Bravo, pay Bravo to ask if I'll hold something. And then, and that happens. We want to yeah. launch a show six months from Sunday. I got to do a traditional week of media, go yeah. through the dog and pony show. It's slow. It's not what it is now. I can right now go on YouTube today or Instagram, I can entertain in any way I want. I could sell right. anything I want. I could talk about anything I want. I could be funny and wacky and do my own three-minute show. And mm-hmm. I don't need a middle person. Right. So that's why like places like that are becoming more interesting because kids aren't watching a 45-minute show on cable or even streaming. They're watching their phones. So I'm really fascinated and interested in the direct-to-consumer model because I want... I used to say to Andy Cohen, get the cameras because I have things. I'm, you know, so I have the camera mm-hmm. right here. It's my phone. I could shoot it right now. Put it right. up. There's my television show. And I love right. that. 
I finally equated it to products and I really get it now. This is the direct to consumer model. Boom. Right. Right. Throw it up. And, and honestly, when you then you start talking about storefronts, right? Which is metaphorically is the same that we're experiencing in, in content. Uh, right. Storefronts, aka Netflix, Amazon, you know, Disney Plus, Hulu, you know, all, all of these uh, streaming platforms that are out there competing for the same consumer. Yes. And when they don't find what their marquee product is, what is their hero product? Bring them in, flagship store. Right, like you're in HBO, like you go Game of Thrones. You subscribe yes. to HBO to watch Game of Thrones. Yes, and, they get you, know, you in the door. And back in the day when Netflix got had uh, House of Cards, you're like, whoa, I'll watch House of Cards, right? Like it was the, the beginning. And that was the window display. That was the window display. So then you look down that scroll to that line to the right. And if you watch this, you also watch this. It's amazing. Yeah, so yeah. we're saying- If you buy this dress, you also need the shoes, right? right? Like it's, it, right. It's, it's, so, so I think to, to your point- um, uh, which, which is a, a very, very interesting, uh, bringing it up this way, the direct-to-consumer has become so much more, um, uh, so much more in demand that, that all of these companies have had to create a corporate uh, merger to basically correlate the same audience because unfortunately they're, you know, if you're asking uh, our fans and our supporters and, and the audiences to, to tune in to multiple tabs to find their shows, Yep. At a, in a world when they can just, like you said, they can go to Instagram and watch five, 10, you know, 20 yep. different channels, AKA individuals putting out content and then have their fix of entertainment and go back to their day. Now we have to, now as entertainers, now we have to compete with that medium um, that doesn't, like as an actor, I'm not necessarily great at making social media content, right? Like I'm not out here like, like performing on, on, on Instagram, right? Like, no, and you lot. feel like you're missing out because you used to be on either two, channel two, four, seven, five, and then later nine, 11, 13. But right. like there were three channels. So you were doing that one thing, competing with that one group, and you understood the beast. Now you're over here and you start to do really well on Instagram, but you you, you don't know how to do TikTok. And right. then you're over, and then, right. then you're missing out because you're over on YouTube. <laughs> then you got to right. be on Netflix. Like it's all yeah, different, yeah. but that's all these different pockets of audiences. And you could be organizing buttons and be famous on TikTok and nobody knows who you are mm -hmm. on Instagram. Literally. Yeah. It's crazy. So so that so it kind of leads me into my my next uh, mental topic, which I've had this many conversations now. Now everyone's like audiences, we got to get to the audiences, and it was all about demos. Now it's about communities. Now it's about catering to communities. You so know? you're going more micro because I'm saying it's find your medium. Like let's say Mr. Beast is making fifty million a year on YouTube, right. so like he found his medium, if, oh, yeah. and he's okay to be just there. So. You're talking about even more micro than your medium. Now you're on YouTube, but who are you on what lane so and micro, what world? So to your point, uh, Bethany, the m m micro is the new mainstream. Exactly. And that's TikTok. Right? There are worlds on TikTok. I walked into the beauty room and landed in there and... It has been extraordinary for me because I just happened to walk into the right room. I could have walked into the mac and cheese room. I walked right. into the beauty room. Right, right. And 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 the point is you you understood your strength in those categories. And therefore you could really, really effortlessly uh perform, create, develop, and explore, you know, what that destination has for you. Uh as a as a production company uh, uh CEO and founder. Um, I have multiple pillars in my company and multiple uh, departments that, that work at its own individual companies for the same vision of saying, you know, we, we don't longer need to fit most. 
Like we need no. to, we need to just cater to the stories and the people that that share the same interests as we do. Because that's because, like you said, you know, life is too short. <laughs> like, like well, you can't be pitching the same show to thirty different networks. And you gotta say, I made this for Netflix. I made this for CBS. No, yeah. And if you try to please, it's the same thing as marketing products. If you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. What you can do when you're in one lane is dip into something else to see if they're going to take that. Now you've got two things they're interested in. So for me, it was beauty. And then I realized unexpectedly they're interested in luggage, mm-hmm. reviewing luggage, like random. So, But it, you- it, leads into, it leads into lifestyle, right? Like, yes. It leads into, so for, for me, it's been about, uh, I love drama. I love comedy, right? It started out that way. I just, I love comedy. I did it for almost 10 years. And then I switched to drama and now I've done that for almost 13 years. And and so so successfully been able to to enjoy both, and I think my success is the fact that my success uh, comes from the fact that I've I've been able to enjoy both, um, because if you show up to work, you're gonna keep the light on, right? But the most important thing is if you continue to enjoy that opportunity on that road, then you're gonna most likely continue to travel it, and you'll find work and you'll find opportunities. Right. Uh, right. So, so it's kind of like that's the circuit. You know? So these are your anchors. The NCIS has been an anchor and that 70s show brand has been an anchor. Which what has been your most economically successful venture as a as an entity like the 70s show experience or the NCIS or your production company? Yeah. What has been the best business venture? It's it's uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I would say both that 70s show and NCIS have been uh, both incredibly uh, fruitful for me. I think that going back, I, and I took a long break uh, from television after I finished seventy show, and I was a- only able to do that because, uh, you know, back then the the fees for television and the money and budgets for television were a lot greater than they mm. are now. So, okay. You know, they've cut, you know, they're like, can you do it for this much? Oh, and interesting. Actors have to take pay cuts and start again. Some of their quotes are not being honored, right? So I have to kind of start myself from scratch on both shows oh. and able to put myself to this place. So I would say that um, network TV is still iconically the place where um, it could be the most uh, lucrative when it comes oh, to okay. your business. In because both, you, network- you hit it right both times. Yeah, I was very fortunate. And then in between, I had some great runs, right? Like I, I did a lot of different stuff and showed up in different places. And, you know, I did Minority Report for one season on, on Fox. And then I did Awake on NBC for another season. And uh, and then I did From Dust Till Dawn with Robert Rodriguez. Um, and that was like a great series for three years. Um, and that was also an interesting medium where Robert directed and all that. So I was able to really dance with all these different genres. Um, and then... You know, and I was doing some films and 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 independent films that really were allowing to show the industry that I could do more than what they've ever you know assumed from the beginning. So a lot of chapters I've had to really reinvent myself for the opportunity that was coming next. Um, and now I stand at a place where I'm, I'm blessed that my fans and my supporters have followed me at every job because that's that's also very important for now yes. Marcus City, but for a studio to be like, oh, this is. You can bet on these whores if you're going to put them on a show, you know, and and uh, with NCIS, there was a lot of crazy changes. And um, I was able to really create a great partnership with the writers and the showrunners. And, and most importantly, you know, my cast, 
uh, to create a different dynamic for a show that's been on for 20 years, you know? So now the show is still number one. It's still it's amazing. Drama and it's, it's amazing. It's- and you never had to re- you never had to be typecast or do a rinse that you were the 70s show kid. You sort of made good uh, choices to like be able to be both, which many people are still stuck in what they were and people don't see them differently. So I feel like, I don't want to say you were lucky because I don't think you were. I think it was proactive. It sounds like you're very intentional. But I think that's definitely a feat where you can really enjoy the fact you can enjoy the campiness of that 70s show because it doesn't define you. And it's not all that anyone's ever seen you as, which I think is is really nice. You know, like, thank you. No, thank you. I, I actually, to your point, we're going to really kind of break it down. I, I got to say, I knew because I ripped the page from a lot of my colleagues and a lot of friends who play similar characters like mine in the 80s and the 90s. And I realized that if I was going to have a shot at actually making this a career after that 70s show, um, I knew that I had to start the reinvention two to three years before I ended that 70s ah. show. So every summer I would do a movie. Every summer I would do something else. I would oh. show up. That, that was, was chess. You were yeah. playing chess. Yeah, because I knew that uh, it wasn't about everything is for the fans. Don't get me wrong. But in that moment, it was about the industry understanding that uh, there yes. was life in the 70s show. And I needed same. to do that, right? You know what I'm talking I did about? The sa- I did the same thing on Housewives. And Housewives is a harder rinse to do. You need you need like a bucket of alcohol to, to, to rinse off the Housewives. But I was starting that rinse real soon, second season. So what, was was your, what was your, what, what was the, when did you see the writing on the wall that you're like, mm, I got to really jump off and understand the platform that I'm at? And what it gives me in uh, signal and frequency and how I can use that and morph it into the next chapter of my life. When was that moment? Well, I was obviously much older than you. I was in my late 30s and I was broke. So I, you know, didn't when I started, I didn't have a lot of options, but I could I've never made a big brand plan in my life. But I'm always playing chess. It's the way my mind works like that piece moves to that piece. And that's, you know, and you're aware of the pieces but you're also aware of the board. So yeah. when I was on Housewives, very quickly, like the end of first season, second season, I was thinking to myself, like almost secreting it, I'm going to get a spinoff. I don't know why I thought it, just like I was thinking about a spinoff already and pushing that. And then also you're in a bucket with a bunch of different people and they're all women. And we're getting similar but different opportunities. And when I became breakout and I was getting, quote unquote, better opportunities down to something dumb from a showroom wanting me to come in for free clothes to to hosting the Today Show, mm-hmm. I was keeping my my stuff close to the vest. I was in my own lane. I was trying not to overshare what I was doing because I saw that being a problem. I saw women were getting jealous. And when I got to the Today Show to host it, they said, oh, this cast member of yours said, why not me? I'm better than her. I'd be better. Like I saw it was cutthroat. And so I read and I wrote this in my book. I was in my own lane. And by the way, it wasn't always popular. I was gatekeeping certain things. I wasn't telling everybody everything I was doing and where I was going. Because guess what? I was running my own game. I'm not, I'm not your family. You're and not that's your the secret sauce, by the way. Ben. Okay. That's I was running my own sauce. game. Yeah, I was running my own game early. And it's not show friends. It's show business. And I was not, I never have ever screwed anybody over. But I was running my own game. It was my rodeo. And I was going to the end zone. So, and the decisions always change. And I wasn't showing up like all housewives want to show up everywhere together and five women together. I wasn't showing up on these red carpet events with four other women. If I had to go, I would go. But even when I came back to the housewives for all that money the second time around, 
I definitely was separating. I wasn't doing press mm. together. I didn't want to be clumped in. Sorry, no. not sorry. Just what I didn't want to do. No, you know, you know? And that's that's the secret sauce. I mean, look, if there's one thing that people could walk away with in for this specific section of our conversation is uh, don't tell anyone anything you're dreaming about. I don't connect dots. It's my number one rule. I do not connect dots about anything. That's exactly what I was going to say. I like don't say where I had lunch. Somebody's yeah. Like somebody hasn't figured it out. And then you say something that it finally clicks for them. And then that dream it has now been polluted because somebody will do whatever they take to get it from you. Yep. Um, and I was even I like, was, even something stupid, like, where, oh, I, oh, I had lunch there today. You give some extra piece of information to somebody. You don't know, oh, or I know Jen and she knows your dad. And then some weird thing comes out about someone's cheating about something. Like, I just don't. I don't play games. Like I tell my best friends, everybody, everything, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Like the rest is like, I don't tell anybody anything. I am private to a fault. I don't care. That's just, yeah. So, and you know what, you know, you, you find that you can build real industry relationships and friendships when people don't know what you're up to. That, that, and when they know you'll never tell anybody anything they tell you, I'm a vault. That's a big one too. Exactly. That's big. The royalty and respect in this thing is, is really, really rare. Um, you know, and, and I had to start years before I finished having shows. So every year I would do a different type of independent movie that only the industry would see. I would go to Cannes Film Festival with a movie. I would go to a trip, uh, uh, Sundance Film Festival with a movie. And and uh, the industry were seeing me in different characters. Exactly. I get it. It wasn't about the money. It was about the street cred. I got the same thing with my brand. Skinny Girl Deal. Forbes cover was like, boom. Now we have street cred. Now we are separated. We could do our own thing. We're not clumped in, you know? Yeah. So, but you went back in because you did, went on Netflix and I went back in because I went back in. The money was too good. And that, you know, it required another navigation of right. not just rinsing, but being from a different perspective. It's just, it's wild. You have to like think about those things. Sometimes going backwards is going forward. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have a financial mm-hmm. reason. It's very, very interesting. And you've also you know, you're not obviously not a kid and now you're an activist and you're charitable and you really are a voice in the Latino community. So like you have, you, you have a lot of personal responsibility that you take on, that you put on yourself to message things like this for your daughter about the fact that you came to this country, did not speak English. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know how to even know how to say hi. It was pretty bad. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My everything shower is where I indulge, exfoliate, and take care of my everywhere hair. Now, with expert-level care from Schick's Hydro Silk Sensitive Razor, you can elevate your shave, too, with five curve-sensing blades and unique Hydro Boost Serum with aloe and chamomile. It's the smoothest finish you'll ever feel. And when it comes to the bikini zone, try the Schick Hydro Silk Trim Style, a unique two-in-one waterproof bikini hair trimmer and hydrating razor. That's perfect for, well, everywhere. Get a comfortable, irritation-free result like you've never felt before. Hey, I'm only an expert in me, but we all deserve expert care. Everywhere. And Schick Hydro Silk makes your everything shower and shave everything you need it to be. 
You never skimp on your favorite beauty essentials. So forget basic razors and average results. Trust Schick HydroSilk for expert level smooth. Look for Schick HydroSilk in store or online at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. And visit Schick.com to see the entire expert level care portfolio. So Bryn is at the age where she is going out with her friends now without me. And I am so glad that she has an Uber teen account so she can get wherever she needs while I'm working or at home. And I can track where she is. And I'm in communication with her and the driver. Love this development for Uber. Love it for mothers. Love it for teens. Uber Teen is perfect for those times when you want to be there but can't. When your teen requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated drivers and you receive real-time notifications. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, but don't worry. You can follow the entire ride on a live tracking map. Every trip comes with enhanced safety features, pin verification to ensure your teen enters the right vehicle, live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. Available in select locations. See app for details. Add your teen to your Uber account today. I didn't really realize, uh, one, the responsibility, but two, uh, the opportunity to really expand on it. Uh, when I when I was doing seventy show, uh, in fact, I think most people didn't even know I was Latino. They thought I was Indian or 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 some other ethnicity, you know. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, I feel like it played to to my advantage in where I was able to create a character that was so ambiguous that <sighs> kind of welcome I welcome most, you know. Mm-hmm. Or just seeing how funny the character was and and the shenanigans that he would get into. Um, and that became almost universal and colorless and that really helped. So then, then when I started hearing young people say, Hey, you know, not until I saw you in television, I saw myself, which it started like in the early two thousands, I was like, Oh wait, what's going on? You know? Ah, you didn't know you were going to be the representation of anything. You just, no, I was just trying to keep the light on. Okay. Like just got to the country four years ago, five years ago, seven show. So, which is um, crazy, by the way. How you came to this country to be like? Explain that. How old were you? So I was a thir- I was about to turn fourteen. So I was thirteen years old, and I came to the United States in nineteen ninety three. Um, I was born in Miami because my mother and my father had married in Miami, and then back in the early eighties, I was born in nineteen eighty. So, so that around that time, the dollar and El Bolivar, which I'm from Venezuela, uh-huh. uh, were almost one in one because of, uh, you know, oil and all of that stuff happening in, in Latin America, specifically with, with Venezuela. So my parents kind of moved back to, to Venezuela and we started working in the agriculture industry. So my mom and my dad met in Miami, had me in Maryland, my sister, and then we decided to move back to Venezuela. So we were in Venezuela for about 10 years. Uh, and then uh, there was a national, there was a, a military coup on the government, and that didn't succeed with a, a young general by the name of uh, Hugo Chavez, and mm-hmm. uh, that didn't succeed. So we, you know, so my dad saw the writing on the wall on that one, and he was just like, "We probably need to get back, because this is not a good signal," you know. And and he was very smart. He sold most of the stuff we had in Venezuela, minus our little hut, a little house in the little town that we lived in. And then we came back to the United States and I came back to Miami um, and uh, none of us knew how to speak English. You know, my dad oh my knew how God. to speak a little bit, but my mom still doesn't speak English because she was like dedicated to raising children, you know. And uh, and then we came to Los Angeles and the way it all happened was 
I was always singing, dancing, and acting since I was six years old in Venezuela because we lived in such a small little town. There was nothing to do. There was one movie theater, and they only played and they played RoboCop all year round. You know, so <laughs> so literally, like that was like my only inspiration. Um, but when I came to Los Angeles, I decided because I didn't know how to speak English, I decided that I would go back to. Uh, theater and and singing and dancing because it was going to force me to read. It was going to force me to speak ah. out loud. These little fake conversations on stage that I didn't have the courage of having outside of the stage. So then, um, the more I did theater, the more I fell in love with it. And then more I kept hearing, "Hey, you should give it a try. You're pretty good. Really? You're pretty funny. You're pretty silly." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I had a crazy accent. Uh, so it was a perfect storm of things. I was showcased a couple of a couple of acting classes and. Um, I got representation, this teacher, Celeste Boyd, you know, who decided to teach me for free because I couldn't afford right. classes. She basically said, I think you're ready to audition for commercials and stuff. And and she introduced me to an agent. He said, we're not going to represent you. We're going to send you out and see what feedback we get. Hip pocket, the, they call it, right? Hip yeah, pocket that's you? right. Yeah. And then basically they would send me out. They would get this amazing feedback. He's hilarious. Such an interesting take for the stuff that we give him. Wow. <laughs> you know, so ultimately, uh, the more I auditioned, the more the best feedback I got. And then they kept saying, you know, but he has an accent. Can he lose his accent? Because people don't have accents on television. Ah, wow. They wanted me to lose my accent. They wanted me to change my name to something that sounded more Latino than Wilmer Valderrama. Because they thought that doesn't sound Latino because stereotypically it has to be Lopez. You know, so it was a whole thing, but I finally yeah. got it and then they kept sending me out. And then one day I auditioned for this pilot called Teenage Wasteland. Um, I auditioned four times and I, you know, I got the contract and you'll, you'll, you'll like this part. I, I got the contract and I'm in this last audition with my dad. We don't have the part yet, but they make your yeah. sign choice in case. And the contract says that I was going to make $15,000 for the pilot, the first episode. And That's not bad you, for back then. No, no, no. I mean, talking, uh, that was to 1998. Yeah, I made $7,250 the whole first season of Housewives. Yeah, I mean, by the way, for <laughs> alternative, for reality, that was like good money. You know what I for mean? For the like, whole season. Oh, the whole season. Oh, for the I, whole season. Oh, wow. But I carved, I wrote down, you can't take a piece of my business, which became the Bethany Clause, which is like a famous thing for reality people. So it ended oh. up, because I was being smart. I was like you. I, I mean, I spoke English, but I didn't know a damn thing. And I was reading this thing and I was just trying to, Focus. So what happened? So you're looking at the contract. It says oh, no, it's basically, I love that you offer that because then he switched from reality. Like reality became a thing, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, so so the $15,000 for the first episode and then $10,000 uh, per episode if it went to Wow. School. Now, I was eight, 17, about to turn 18 years old. Okay. Um, we have just gone to America maybe four years prior to that. And uh, my first job was to just learn how to speak English. I was a busboy. I was a busboy at a restaurant called Cafe Bijou in Studio City in Cinaria, Sherman Notaria. And um, you know, and uh, my, my uncle used to was to work there. And then he got me a little job there as like you know the the runner of dishes and stuff. And I was auditioning for commercials here and there, but not getting much, you know. Right. So, um, so finally, you know, after a couple of little gigs that got me the money to pay for the union and became a Screen Actors Guild member, I was able to audition for the pilot. So fast fast tracking to the pilot audition, you know, I told my dad, dad, imagine if we get if I get this part. My dad's like, Mijo, if you get it, uh, very good. If you don't get it, uh, very good. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, very good. And uh, I went in and 
I dished my ass off and I went home and, and, you know, this is a really tough time for my family. We were late in the rank for a couple, you know, a couple of months. And my dad was like working overtime, trying to like not even break even. And, and we were just in a situation where we were eating dinner every other night. And by the way, we weren't sad about it. It was like, it was what just, what you, took. you know, it's like the immigrant way you come here and then, you know, we eat one day, we eat the next day or not, you know, it doesn't mean until you, you get it together. Cause, cause we always know, that you put in enough hours, you will get it together, you know? So for us, it was mathematical. It was nothing emotional. It wasn't boohoo. We, Latinos don't complain about, you know, money. It's a work ethic. It's, it's that a, ethic. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, we got to make money. That's all it is, you know? So so we were doing pretty not good. And I told my dad, imagine if I get it. Then we got home and I get a phone call from what my agent, who now became my agent, um, and says... Um, Hey, they want you to come back tomorrow. And I said, okay. Yeah, they want you to come back tomorrow and the day after that and the day after <gasps> and the I'm day after. Cry. I have to, ch- I've never had time to cry. And I, and I was like, what, what? And my mom, and you know, the, the days where you <sighs> pick up the phone and listen to the other line, you know, like yes, everybody yes. the lines and, and everyone starts screaming because they understood <sighs> that my face meant that I got it. And we were just like, if, even if the show doesn't go fifteen thousand dollars, oh we can pay the rent. We we don't have to go to ninety nine cent stores. We can go to Ralph's. Like you know, it was this conversation where like, oh my god, like oh my god, I have, I have the chills. Fire, you know. And I and uh, that was a, one of the most iconic moments in my life when I remember looking outside the window and like cue like a movie, saw an American flag from the neighbor. Oh my god, I, I have the chills myself, right now. And I literally said to myself, that's what this is. That's what this country is. It's, this is what it was built for. So dreams had a shot at being possible. So when that happened, I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking in magazines, interviews, fame. I was thinking like, oh my God, they're going to pay me for acting. This is bananas. And, and then I went and then I shot the show. Before I even shot the show, um, I, I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, anything and everything that comes out of my mouth will be the most memorable, the funniest. Oh and I said, God. I am going to relentlessly be the best at this character. And, oh, um, my God. You make and I just went in there and I just my first line uh, was ridiculous on the 70s show. And I remember the moment when they say action and my first line was about to happen. And I say, and by the way, I, I rarely do the voice, but I'm going to do it here for you. But okay. I literally said, um, um, I may not say this right because I am new to English, but she has tremendous breasts. Yes. And the audience exploded. My co-stars like almost broke character. And like it was this moment where I, the magical moment of hearing the audience, I just made them laugh. It seems like a check. I feel like if I keep in this trajectory, I'm not getting fired. And then I decided I'm going to be the best. <gasps> I'm going to be the best at what I do. And I became a student of every role on the set. You know, every every department head, every department from directors. Right? And I, I taught myself how to make a production. I taught myself how to creatively develop something because the producers, Marcy Carsey and Tom Warner, were so beautiful to open the door to teach me stuff. Um, and I took it from there. But, you know, that year I was able to um, pay off our 
a dip. Um, and then I took my mom to Ralph's. And then, you know, and then my dad was letting me borrow the family car, which was a Ford Taurus station wagon with the hood that was a different color of the car. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I used to put the cassette adapter for the CD ROM. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like listen to music on the way to work. And then I finally was like, my dad's like, you could you should buy yourself a car. And I went and bought a 99 uh Mercury Cougar. It was like brand new relaunch of the model. And I was like, very cool cloth sheets and fake wood detail. And I was like, this thing is. And people used to say, is this a Jaguar? And I used to say, yes, it yeah. is. Because <laughs> it has, you know, the cougar emblem. Yeah, like, it's, it's a cougar. <laughs> it's a cougar. Wait, I, I've never needed, I feel like Ellen, I've never needed tissues on the set here because it's a set, it's my couch. But I'm just saying like, I, you got me, like the way you, first of all, the, just the, the story, but the way you told the story and I was sitting here like, and you know, I'm thankful to you for, you know, giving me that gift to like, you just took, like, you just took me there where I was like in your house and like feeling that sort of pride and desperation at the same time but like not mm -hmm. desperate because you just were still happy i don't know there was something about the way you told that story that you brought me Thank to tears you. i would the chills because it's i can't and it's so amazing how you literally remember it from a granular porous perspective I, I can't forget it you know and so much about this first couple of years of my career um you know it, it i used to <laughs> i described it uh, the other day like this to a friend it was like um, I never gave my back to the room. Even when I exit the room, I was bowing, thank you, you know, and I would just exit the door. Um, I was so grateful somebody had believed that I could do it. Wow. Because if you were to really, really visualize the little town that I that I grew up in, um, and you know, watching I Love Lucy and watching Chips and oh watching, you know, Charlie's Angels and like seeing that and, and growing, you know, growing in, in this household and thinking to myself, one day I'm going to do that. And, you know, it's so interesting. When we first came to America, my dad took us to Hollywood Boulevard. And so, I don't remember because we couldn't see inside, but somebody was getting their star on the Walk of Fame. Mm. <clears throat> and I looked to my dad and I said, Dad, one day, um, mm. one day I'm going to have a star on the Walk of Fame. And, you know, it still hasn't happened, but I know it's it's possible. And, um, you know, I, and, and even the bigger promise that even I forgot to mention in the beginning, you know, maybe about four to five months before of that audition, my dad's car gets stolen <clears throat> and it gets stolen from the front of the house. And if you know, in Los Angeles, the car is the lifeline to all of it. Like my dad, I needed that card because he was going from mechanic shop to mechanic shop, bringing mm -hmm. parts and they would pay him to transport parts. And he had a for sale sign on the window and he would drive it with a for sale sign on the window while he was hustling with the car until the car sold for a little bit more than he bought it for. Mm -hmm. Then he bought another car, put another for sale sign and then he, wow. you know, sell it or until the car got a little nicer, a little nicer. And then he'd make a little bit more cash while still doing the errands. And then that car gets stolen. Wow. And that was the first time I saw my dad, um, you know, with a with a with an energy of um, desperation, and I, hearing his voice change, unlike I've ever heard it in my whole life. Um, in that moment, at like almost midnight, when he heard the car take off and he looked at the window and he was just gone, um, I looked at my dad and I said, "Dad, don't worry because I'm gonna be this 
and this before Stephanie show, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be this successful actor and I'm gonna make all this money and I'm gonna have restaurants and have this and we're gonna never gonna need this. I'm gonna buy a house and all that, so don't worry about this. And my dad looked at me and I was, it was 13. I was, I think I was, yeah, I was about 13. No, no, sorry, I was. I was about six, 15 years old or something like that. And I and I said to my dad, um, uh, no, it was closer to, yeah, I think it was closer to, uh, I was probably about 15 or so. It wasn't much. It was a four, I was 15 years old. And I said to my dad, uh, Papa, don't worry, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you're never going to need to uh, work again. And, um, you know, I'm going to take it. My dad looked to me and my mom, while well, she was still pacing around, he goes, okay, mijo, that's very good. Oh, and then and I felt like he had given me permission to go ahead and do it. That's and, unbelievable. And they set you up to do it with the work ethic and that you were a team and getting on the phone and it was like a win for everyone. It's mm-hmm. outrageous. Um, well, wow. so was that your rose of your whole career? Yeah, that level? was the lift off. You know, that was the lift off. I think the show wasn't ever a clear hit until probably the end of season two, beginning of season three. We were like the stepchilds uh, of television. Like nobody wanted to acknowledge that we were good. Nobody. Like Shit's Creek. Yeah, like it was like it was like you're you know we weren't even critically acclaimed. They were like, what is this? Right. Um, but the audiences discovered us, you know, and they switched our time slot multiple times. We you know we started uh, between the Simpsons and the X Files on Sunday nights. And that was like the night of television. Unfold. Right. And they switched us around. And then finally, you know, the show found an audience and then, um, you know, it's so funny. Nobody could recognize me in real life. Right. Like I would be standing next to Ashton and um, and and people would be like, hey, say, say out of fest for me. And, I, and uh, I'd be like, hi, <laughs> you know, and people wouldn't recognize me because I, my character spoke and carried himself so different. Right. Uh, so they just thought a person, that thing was a, a, a real thing. Yeah, that was alive, you know? Right. But that was that was the beginning of that. And, and um, you know, I give a lot of thanks and a lot of, uh, and I'm very grateful to my agents. Um, eventually when I, uh, I went through, I, I changed to my agency, I ended up at, at UTA and I had Shani Rosenweig and she put together a beautiful team with Tracy Jacobs and, and Nancy Gates and, Jeff Sunnelson and at the time Jason Shapiro and and a few more that I'm 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 for sure forgetting and I'm sorry because this was not a credit call but but it was a, a group of individuals that saw me beyond Fez and right. uh, so every summer they would fight to get me in the room and nobody wanted to me in the room yeah I bet you were totally typecast yeah wow what an amazing story and now you're developing Zorro with you starring and producing not directing or or but, well, producing, yeah. So producing. I was producing it, and uh, I've started at Zorro uh, for Walt Disney, which is, you know, I'm not, I mean, imagine like Beyond. a dream of a lifetime, right? Like the only hero the Latino community really has that iconically a character that showed us as like uh, romantic and smart and clever and just and funny. And funny and so I, funny is great for you because it's like you get to be legitimate and it is a hero and it's respected brand, but funny and like a little wacky, like you could have your own take on that is the first thing I was thinking. Like, you know, it's amazing. What what yeah. a great I would never have thought of that, but like what a great fit. How exciting. It's really exciting. And I think to your point, it is a role that finally could really tap into all my weapons. Yes. Marries and, everything at the same time. It's legit. Yeah. It's funny and stupid. Yeah. It's wacky. It's yeah. like, you know, it's respect. It's like, 
a kid hero. It's Latina. Yeah, it kind of checks all the boxes. Yeah, I know. And, and honestly, it, it I went and looked for the titles. You know, I think as the more that I my 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 comp, my production company, and I'm really grateful to God in the industry and my fans, but the production company you know, has the, evolved into something else. It's not a pot deal anymore. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a multi-department, multi-layered. Um, What's it called? Uh, it's called WB Entertainment. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about changing the name at some point because I'm kind of becoming allergic to my name in the title. But but I think um, at the time it made sense because that was what they wanted to buy was product from me, you know, but, but I think... Um, as it's Miho, called. Miho Productions. Miho Productions. Uh, yeah, it's okay, Miho Productions. <laughs> That's very funny. That's actually Miho Productions. Yeah. Um, but no one will ever forget it. It's kind of cute. I like it. It just made it. Just you know what? I'm seriously considering yeah. it. I'm not even joking. No, I believe you. I like it. It's just like, yeah, I, I like it. Because it also very... has a double entendre of like me, Hollywood. Like, yeah. there's like layers. You know what totally, I mean? That's totally, a... totally. Yeah. Complete sense. Oh my God. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah. So the production company started really, and I've been trying to infuse the sense of let's dream bigger in our company. And now um, we have had the opportunity to develop tons of different things for different studios. And I, and now I have a first look at USCBS Studios, which has been a great home. Um, I have great partners and Netflix I have great partners at Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. it really empower me to uh, uplift and uh, expand on the idea that our stories, no matter what color we're of, um, can actually transcend culture and can invite most while still being authentic and rooted into who we really are and in what we've been in America. Um, without you know any political agenda, mostly going back to the fundamentals of entertainment. We just want to entertain people. We want people to walk away feeling awesome. And we want them to feel proud of who they are, You know, no matter what color you are. And then the fact that I'm able to, um, you know, get in front of the camera and some of this has been also a joy because I can really uh, shape tonally who we are culturally uh, in America. And, you know, there's a lot of rebuilding that we have to do for image. A lot of stuff has been um, deleted from the books of history. I mean, you also see in the banning of a lot of books. Um, and, and so a lot of this conversation uh, really fires me up to do... Um, content that's going to live forever that you can't just get take off the shelf um and uh and that's i think that's the next phase of our culture to be able to reintroduce us as, as who we really are uh and told by us uh and so so we're producing all kinds of different things we have an alternative department you know where we do alternative programming in the sense of um uh, you know, uh, uh, docu-follows, uh, documentaries and game shows and stuff. And then we have a scripted department where we do drama and comedy together. Um, we also dabble in animation. And then we uh, and then we also have a podcast department. Um, I became partners with iHeart on a network. So we now own a network called Michael Tuda Podcast Network, uh, which, um, you know, it's available everywhere that you get your podcast. And in that we're curating uh, some great voices and, and 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 really kind of inviting the Latino community to discover and adapt to podcasting as is they're a little late adapters to podcasts. Yes. Yeah. You know? so, yep. so we're excited to kind of pioneer in that, but we're also making podcasting uh, that not only is for them, but it's for everyone. So we're really hoping that we can combine and it's been phenomenal already. So we have production, we have developed production and distribution uh, through iHeart. 
uh, and we have a pipeline of amazing content that we're going to do there. Uh, and, you know, and, and so on. And then I have a management company uh, called Allied Management, which uh, represents uh, Latin American writer, producers and directors from Central and South America. And we bridge the gap. Um, we need more hands on deck because there's a lot of abundance of Latino stories that are being developed, but we're not enough people to run it, not enough mm -hmm. people to direct it. So, so we build a, a very premium product, uh, a management company to do to really curate these voices and really introduce them to, to Hollywood and expand on that. Um, and it's been a joy. I mean, it's a, been a joy to see this later projects. Um, and that's besides, like you mentioned, the activism, which has been also another great joy in my life to partner up with some great organizations that do really great stuff um, that are all just in line with everything we're producing. It's amazing. And the, the two things that really jump off the page for me is... Um is really the work, like number the work ethic, like that, the way you've had good connect. This is the same with me. I mean, I am, you're probably to other people have a reputation of being kinder and gentler. Like I have a tough reputation, but I am tough, but fair. Like everybody knows that it's not always pleasant to do a deal with me, but that I'm always fair. Like I, that's just who I'm known as. And I, so I have good relationships with the first book I ever did with, you know, even with Bravo, with everyone. And I just have noticed that, and people have to really listen and understand that the relationship, the minute you start, it, it the clock is running. Like it's the same relationships then as they are now. You see the 100%. same people up here, same people on the way down. Like it's just all these relationships that connect like a web and how, you know, so many times will, someone come to me and say, well, we should we work with that person and I'll have had an unpleasant experience with them. I'll be like, absolutely not. And yeah, I think it's about too how short. You, Life is too short for that kind of stuff. And you've done you have to just, enough, you know? Yup, you gotta be good the whole way through. Like, do it well or don't do it at all. So I just noticed that you have really, A, made really good choices, B, just have an incredible work ethic, but have nurtured all these relationships and are mm -hmm. all coming together into one because you're doing so many different things in the same pot now. And then that you're like, you've curated because we're getting older. You're younger than I am, but we're older. Yeah. You curate the career, career you want. And it sounds ridiculous, but you saying that you're playing Zorro, which is a convergence of all these things, is funny. Like David Arquette, who's made a lot of money on different businesses. He's not just the scream guy. Yeah. And he plays like, in, you know, he's like a little chill and like that. Yeah, yeah. So you think, you think he's like, you know, not, you know, really like this business guy. And he owns the rights to Bozo. Like yeah. you, you own the rights to Zorro. Like it's a convergence of him being funny and being wacky. And he's got this rights to this real entity of Bozo the Clown. Thanks. And I'm thinking of you as Zorro. So I'm seeing these people. We're all like, you're all like auditioning for all this time for like when you get in your 40s and 50s. And like now it's not the dress rehearsal. It is. Now it it's is all real. Yes, 100%. And that you get to have the life you want because of all these things you've done. And this, mm -hmm. and I hate to sound like a Karen. But much of the younger generation wants it now and they want to know right now. And right. it's like, you know, stir the pot, like just like let the butter melt. It's going to all come. You just got to handle it right and like nurture it. And it comes together now. So that's what I'm getting from you. And it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a difference between uh, making a, a full dinner versus a sandwich, right? Like Thank you. Sandwich is a snack. Fast food. You're not satisfied. Yeah. It's just you're eating to eat. And yeah. You you've got like again. a full. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So and you're I, amazing. You know, my, really good. I appreciate that so much. And, and it, it means a lot. And honestly, I, I was very excited to talk to you for all the very same reasons. Uh, I really do respect, uh, you know, the choices, the, the, you know, the force 
side uh, to all of these different uh, aspects to your to your life into your career because it really it really speaks to the sanity that you have to keep no matter how tough or high level the frequency is in which you have to perform uh, mm -hmm. to have a grounding and be able to get past that storm and then say yeah, yep. it's sunny days now because yep. the storm uh, gave me the ability to say I can see it coming I can avoid it you know Um, so it was important to go through all those 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 dry seasons and lows and low seasons. Yes, it's a texture um, and it's the quilt. Yes, it's the texture exactly. It's a texture yeah. that kind of paves the road, um, and now you're capable to either go on the freeway or off road, and and you. It's amazing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, you know, the thing about the show has been very successful, which I'm very proud of. But like the one thing I wasn't thinking about when doing it, because a lot of things I do is it's like it's going to be successful. I had this idea and it's going to be great. And we're going to talk about this. And what I love the most about it is just like I I'm not social. I never leave my house unless I'm like, I have to. I leave my house. For my daughter's lacrosse or I'm being paid to be over here. And that's I'm just very, very antisocial. And it's surprising. But I'm always in pajamas. So the I, one I mean, thing you definitely fool me. You're incredibly beyond right now. beyond beyond. I'm very much an introverted like from a leave the house it's, it's weird gotcha. and everyone's shocked by that but the one thing the show has given me is like to meet like I feel I spent an hour with you I don't spend an hour with my own friends half the time like I feel like I know you so now I know you so now I know you so like now that's exciting I've met so many people like now I, I know you and I really like know about your life stories that Probably some of your friends don't even know. So yeah, I'm true. excited to meet you and to have known you and like all these interesting people that I would never have known anything about. So I'm so grateful and thank you so much for coming to like talk to me. And now I know you. We know each other. No, I mean, it's same. You know, that this is uh, also exciting because the moment we see each other in person, it's not a yes. headache, it's a hug, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. So I can't wait for that to happen. Um, love to your family. Thank um, you. You have one child. Yes, I have a two-year-old. Um, she just turned two February 15. She's at dance class right now. Uh, so that's that's hilarious every time. Uh, she just started school too. And, you know, we're teaching her uh, English, Spanish, and Mandarin. She's already pretty good Spanish because my mom, you know, it's all day Spanish with her. So she's pretty bilingual now. But um, we're trying to equip her with, with, you know, with tools that we never had, you know, and... Uh, And also, um, she's living like a pretty similar upbringing like I did. You know, she's eating the same food with my parents, you know, oh, yeah. and everything. So so it's been really great. She dances first and and talks later, you know, so that that's ultimately. Uh, that's amazing. And you married uh, someone in the industry or I call it a civilian. <laughs> yes, yes. You yeah. married a civilian? Yeah, basically, yeah, basically someone uh, who uh, whose expectations of life are a lot more realistic than mine ever were, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, so she, yeah, she's a very special human being. Amanda makes it look very easy. Um, you know, she gets along uh, better with the dolphin than with human beings, you know? Uh -huh. she, she loves nature. She's a dive master. She's a scuba diver. And wow. And rescue, she's a badass, you know? And, and she really uh, has taught me to... Um, you know, to take deep breaths and to look up and enjoy the green trees, you know, uh, because when we do this and we're just like, we're going, we're going, we're going, we got this, we got to do this, we're going to do this. Um, sometimes you kind of stray away of the reason why you work so hard and why you do this so much. Uh, That's why that story was really good for me. 
today. That story was like, you're a good storyteller. Like you told, oh, I was you. there in the living room Ooh. on the phone. Well, it's so nice to know you and I can't wait to meet you in person. And I appreciate you taking the time. I really do. So good luck and congratulations and keep in touch and let me know. I can't wait to follow you now. The second I get off, follow you on my social media to hear what you're up yeah, to. Yeah, I'm going to look for you too. I, I Again, so uh, blessed to be able to have this conversation. It was uh, it actually felt good to get a lot of that stuff out of, you know, I don't really talk about this stuff very often. Um, but it is nice to to reconnect with that. So I hope I, I'm so glad that you connected with my story uh, because you know it's so raw in my brain still. Mm-hmm. You know those moments are just so incredibly unforgettable. And uh, you know I'm I'm excited when I get to relive it and say it aloud to somebody who can relate to it too. So so thank you for having me on your show and I continue all the success. And I'm always around if you uh, if you need a cup of sugar. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My everything shower is where I indulge, exfoliate, and take care of my everywhere hair. Now with expert level care from Schick's Hydro Silk Sensitive Razor, you can elevate your shave too. With five curve sensing blades and unique Hydro Boost Serum with aloe and chamomile. It's the smoothest finish you'll ever feel. And when it comes to the bikini zone, try the Schick Hydro Silk Trim Style, a unique two-in-one waterproof bikini hair trimmer and hydrating razor that's perfect for, well, everywhere. Get a comfortable, irritation-free result like you've never felt before. Hey, I'm only an expert in me, but we all deserve expert care everywhere. And Schick Hydro Silk makes your everything shower and shave everything you need it to be. You never skimp on your favorite beauty essentials. So forget basic razors and average results. Trust Schick HydroSilk for expert level smooth. Look for Schick HydroSilk in store or online at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. And visit Schick.com to see the entire expert level care portfolio. So Bryn is at the age where she is going out with her friends now without me. And I am so glad that she has an Uber teen account so she can get wherever she needs while I'm working or at home. And I can track where she is and... I'm in communication with her and the driver. Love this development for Uber. Love it for mothers. Love it for teens. Uber Teen is perfect for those times when you want to be there but can't. When your teen requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated drivers and you receive real-time notifications. Your teen can feel a sense of independence, but don't worry. You can follow the entire ride on a live tracking map. Every trip comes with enhanced safety features, pin verification to ensure your teen enters the right vehicle, live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. Available in select locations, see app for details. Add your teen to your Uber account today. Oh my God, do I love Wilmer Valderrama. He had me crying. This show gives me so many gifts. I end up becoming their friends and bonding with them and like knowing them and 
with crying and this meaningful, beautiful story. What a great experience. I adore Wilmer. That was incredible. I am so lucky. I'm so happy. Thank you so much. Rate, review, and subscribe. I'm just, I'm literally on my phone to, to find Wilmer and follow him right now. So I can't believe I didn't know him. This is exciting. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Bethany. I hope you're still sticking to your health-based New Year's resolution, but if not, I have a way to help you out. Hero Bread listened to the needs of people like you and me. Their new bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, it's high in fiber, and now it's made with olive oil for more healthy fats. And it's the fluffy, delicious bread that tastes great with anything or just by itself. Get 10% off your first order with code JUSTBE at Hero.co. That's just be at hero.co. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 